it's been a few days and i like that it's been a few days not months or a month um i've been wanting to do a pride podcast for a minute um, but i wanted to do it as a conversation with a friend of mine who is very radical when it comes to things like allyship lgbtq rights and they're like and their law and um, amendment of the constitution things like the effect of colonization on how um, colonized countries especially um, countries that are maybe former british colonies still have these oppressive laws and yeah so but i I'm finally getting around to it because I figured it, you know, it's high time I do a Happy Pride podcast. Um, I was really looking forward to Pride Month this year and it's because I had learned and transformed so much during Black History Month, Women's History Month. Um, that's in, I think, Feb and Jan. Yes. And so I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for June. Um, some of the things I learned during Black History Month this year was there were surprising things like how we are the most superior. <laughs> I know this sounds weird when I say it, but technically, um, the black race, despite slavery, despite years of oppression, they've managed to stay superior in so many things. I guess it's this thing for when you when the bar is set really high for you, you have to work twice as hard, yeah? And so you find black music, black culture is strong, um, fashion, you know? So, yeah, I learned so much about also how before the European countries like Spain and the like colonized a continent like Africa, there had been African kings or, you know, African leaders who had actually colonized countries, uh, people in countries like Spain. Um, I learned that languages like French are originally African and then you know, they were introduced to these European countries and then again reintroduced to Africans during colonization. I'm not sure about the reintroduction part, but yes, something like that, things like that. And I was like, oh my God, we have been that race for the longest time, even though so many things will have you believe otherwise, like how apps like Instagram, YouTube, their algorithms are designed to push pro-white content, pro-white entertainment, essentially anti-black content. But you see, the fact that we, we only consume what we see on social media, it also means that we cannot read, you know, the history that we actually should be reading. We read what is pushed to us, yeah? I learned how... Um, Many sites, many websites portray someone like, what was her name? Um, Harriet Tubman. You just, you Google her or what photos most people know of her are when she's old, you know. But there are times when she was super young with 
beautiful hair, beautiful face before, of course, all the oppression and all the suffering at the hands of the the whites, you know. So it taught me a lot about what you consume needing to be like very empowering content because otherwise it changes how you view yourself as a black person. Then for Women's History Month, oh my God, Women's History Month reminded me that as women, we are owed reparations. Um, One of my favorite social media persons or personas um, said, you know, being in this monogamous relationships with men are you know, the real conspiracy. We're supposed to be single because that's when women are happiest, when they thrive, when you're not being drained by someone emotionally, sometimes financially, sometimes, you know, even undergoing physical abuse, those things. So it really taught me a lot about um, reparations and um, how we need to free ourselves from situations that benefit men more than they benefit us and the fact that really you are owed you are owed more money you are owed higher salaries than you get you are owed compensation for your company as a woman if you're seeing someone you are owed your allowances paid your bills paid whatever you want you are owed faithfulness in a relationship if that's what you've decided to get into, but you don't have to, you know, because either way you should be treated properly. So yeah, that was so it was so transformative even from a mental standpoint because you begin to view this um events, things like Valentine's weekend. Valentine's weekend was such a revelation because you could see very clearly how it's actually women who run the world. Essentially that whole economy, Valentine's economy is run by women. Whatever women find pretty is what is gonna sell on Valentine's, yeah. Whatever like if you if you check out the hotels, the hotels, the way they were advertising their offers, they're advertising, you know, this girl dressed in red being taken out by a guy. Essentially, a man's money on Valentine's weekend is worthless without these babes, without women. Because if you checked and if you were like out for Valentine's or whatever, most guys who are out were overcompensating like and those are the ones who need to pay reparations because you're looking for someone on that weekend because you do not want to be alone as a guy, but you don't treat them right on other days, yeah? So, yeah, I mean, you realize just how much women run the world and what we term as fashion is what sells and what we term as beautiful or attractive on men is what men buy. A man's money, for instance, in a club randomly and the guy is there alone sitting, drinking, whatever, is worthless until there's a woman seated next to them, you know, giving them great company, making it much more fun to be there than they were having when they were alone. So it was such radical thoughts and clarity that I wanted during Pride Month. Um, but I noticed... Most of the radically radical th- thoughts or radical thinking by people I follow and admire in the community what was done last year when everything in the world was changing, when BLM was such a strong force, when 
me too was also being like brought back in in a huge wave and i realized that a lot of the unlearning i needed to do for pride month i had already done last year and i can mention a few things that i learned um so i can say that okay number one the one that stood out obviously after the whole i don't want to mention names so but either way after the whole chiwamanda saga one thing that stood out is that you cannot truly be pro-human rights or anti-oppression if you still believe that some people within a bigger community do not deserve the rights you're fighting for. For instance, trans women. And you find that a lot of oppressed women, in a lot of oppressed people, let's just say oppressed people, um, I feel like it's that intersection thing. So let me just explain. For instance, you're a man versus a woman who faces more... Dis- no, let me start with race. A white person versus a black person. The person who faces more discrimination is a black person. Then between black women and white... Oh, sorry, and black men, the people who are oppressed more are black women. So this black woman is facing oppression both for race and gender. Then you go into maybe being queer so we have a black straight woman and a black queer woman who faces more oppression obviously it's a black queer woman and so um you just pile on these oppressions as someone goes deeper into the intersection and i learned that as long as you are some people are oppressed for instance trans women um or to just make the intersection go further, trans disabled women or trans women living with disability, then, which I learned was the correct term to use, but I learned that in school. Um, when As long as there's oppression against those women or those who are at the bottom of the intersection or in the middle of all the intersections then it means you're still oppressing other people and you're not truly um for that community you are against them i also learned about allyship but this was last year about how people really love to call themselves allies and it's like why do you need to call yourself that if you are that yeah people who it's like men who need to call themselves feminists it's like why why do you need that? Why do you need that title? Why can't you just be that person without needing to be praised for it, without needing to be treated differently by women? Because it's like, oh no, um, we can we can say men have done bad things, but leave him out. He's a feminist, you know. So it's the same thing with um the LGBTQ community. Why do you need to be called an ally? Another thing is how corporates capitalize on Pride Month. To use it to sell products to like pride, um, sorry, LGBTQ communities by using like I don't know the rainbow on their products. I'm releasing like a line. I saw Levi this year had released a pride line, but they don't really do anything else beyond that, and that happens a lot with corporates. So again, the question is. Are you just tweeting as a corporate? Are you just tweeting that you support this community but you don't really do anything about it? And to go even further into that, it's not even about hiring 
queer people you know it's about the smallest things like the politicians you support the kind of lobbying you do because private companies have the resources in the pool to actually push governments to change laws but do they do that that's another question something else i learned is oh my god biphobia is still a thing i feel like if you ask your friends a lot of people are biphobic a lot of people um still perpetuate this narrative of this person should choose one side this person is this and that's you know blatant biphobia and a lot of people are still participating in debates about queer rights it's like it's 2021 the debate is over it's about time you start you know walking the talk yeah and which brought me to my most important lesson is like the most important thing is the actions you take every day and not the title you give yourself not the clothes you wear not the colors you want to carry around during pride month it's the unlearning you're doing every time it's learning about things like how you see how this pandemic has disproportionately affected poor countries. It's learning how the HIV pandemic disproportionately affected queer people and continues to be used against them um, or to, to stigmatize them. Yeah, um, It's about learning how transphobia is still rife. It's about learning how body, bodily autonomy is for everyone not just people who identify as state or whatever so yeah it's about unlearning things like biphobia it's about just doing a lot more than carrying the flag or wearing those wristbands it's about leaving friends behind who you're like no this person is prejudiced it's about reading more articles it's about protests it's about contributing money to um, have people released from jail when they're arrested during pro-queer protests. It's about showing up for the protests. It's about those kinds of things. So it's about living pride throughout the year, not just June, even though June, you know, we go home and go for parades, learn, um, do a lot of politics, it's about understanding why the law is designed in an oppressive way, which is essentially not even based on religion. It's pure colonization. You know, it's just literal, literally just oppression. It's a form of black oppression. Yeah. Because obviously white queer people do not get the same level of discrimination of, as black queer people. So it's about so many things. Um. But I think at the core of it, pride for me is this joy, a literal joy in who you are in your being at that moment. Um, joy that is not inhibited by what other people will say, by what the law says. It's just pure joy and not trying to limit other people's happiness. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope this teaches you something or inspires to do something and happy pride all year. <laughs>